The Start. On Demand. On Demand. We kicked off an important conversation today about mental health as part of a global news health series that looks at mental health during COVID-19. Today's topic looked at how physical distancing, while it's super important to help prevent the spread of the virus, it's taking a hit on our mental health. Also, on that note, we speak to a man who is suggesting that we should give the kids a do-over, just reset the school year this fall. Hockey Winnipeg has cancelled its season and how do you have people labeled in your phone? Would they like it? Is your mother-in-law labeled smother-in-law? I'm Brett McGarry alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb and this is the Monday, February 1st podcast for The Start. It's a new month. February is here. Much to discuss on that. But before anything, I just, I got to ask you about this, Greg, as I think about this. What did you say? It felt like you were at Grand Central Station on the weekend. I was at Pine Ridge Hollow yesterday and it was busy as busy could be. Not to the point where I felt uncomfortable or social distancing wasn't taking place, but it was actually really nice to see For those that don't know, the Pine Ridge Hollow is basically connected to Birds Hill Park just on the south side. You can get there from Garvin Road. And they've got an incredible facility out there. They had fires going and uh, people social distancing and visiting. In fact, there was one group of ladies there, Loren, they were doing their Christmas gift exchange around one of the fires there. So it was actually uh, as abnormal as it was to see people sitting outside exchanging Christmas gifts on January 31st. It was uh, nice to see people out and about enjoying the fresh air and the beautiful weather. Yeah, it also means that they didn't get together over Christmas and uh, are now taking the time to do it, which is perhaps a conversation more people should have had in Good the weeks leading up to Christmas, right? And we might not be here. And Pine Ridge, I think, too, was touting a trip out there over the weekend because it's in a Hallmark film that was released yesterday, I believe. There was some sort of, uh, I'm trying to remember the name, but they're part of a snow globe or snow globe or snow thrust <laughs> A snow movie. Okay, well, snow thrust might have been a, not a Hallmark film. <laughs> snow kissed. Is it snow kissed? That sounds more appropriate. Yes. Okay. Yeah, they've even got a thing on their website. I see uh, snow kissed behind the scenes. Uh, yeah, that's neat. That's a great spot. To, I'm surprised it actually isn't in more films, to be honest. Yeah, it's one of the hidden treasures. Lots of people know about it, but uh, at the same time, lots of people do not know about it. So it was a great way to spend part of the Sunday. Yesterday, they had gourmet hot chocolate. I was commenting to some of the people as they walked out. Is that a Caesar or a hot <laughs> chocolate? Because... Uh, I think we've noted the fact that if you can buy a Caesar in Winnipeg and sometimes the buffet attached to it, the the accoutrement is a little bit overwhelming. You can get the, the celery, of course, is the standard fare, but that's sort of passe now. You can get uh, asparagus spears, and then sometimes I've seen as much as a kubasa or a pepperoni stick and cheese. I've even seen sliders as part of the garnish for Caesars in Winnipeg. And that's sort of what it looked like as they had s'mores or Rice Krispie squares or big marshmallows and, and such as part of the garnish of their, uh, of their gourmet hot chocolate. So it was a great way to spend the day yesterday. That sounds, uh, you know, that I don't like hot chocolate, but that might make me at least try just to get all the other stuff. And, then, <laughs> and maybe you can, maybe it would work if I had like dip some of that stuff in the hot chocolate. There you go. So of course, uh, February, lots of, Stuff to discuss today and throughout the month. It's Black History Month. It's I Love to Read Month. We're actually going to kick that off at 9.35 this morning. We're going to, because normally we sort of disperse into the community and visit various schools and the children's hospital to for I Love to Read Month, but of course we can't do that this month. So for the next four Mondays, we're going to have conversations with local authors, and today we're going to be speaking with Tamika Reed about her book, Sweet Without Sugar. So that's at 9.35. As well today, for the next two weeks, actually, we're going to be putting a big focus on mental health during COVID as part of a global news health series. Every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, this week and next week, we're going to be putting a big focus on mental health. And so we're going to look at that at 6.30, and then at 7.30... 
An interest, we're going to sort of tie it in with an interesting tweet you found over the weekend, Greg, with uh, someone we've spoken to a number of times on this radio station. Yeah, uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, sorry, Brett, I am just uh, was looking over my notes here. Maybe you can fill our uh, list. It was a in. tweet from Greg Gilhooly. Uh, we've spoken to him in the past because he's, of course, uh, one of Graham... Graham James uh, victims, but he's also written a book and talked about his journey um, through some of the pain that he's endured over the past 30 years. But he's also just a really well-spoken guy. He's a father. He's a lawyer. And he tweeted out something that uh, I noticed over the weekend that um, really had me thinking because it's a thought, uh, I think, we've probably all sort of said, oh, that makes sense. But this is what he tweeted. I think it would be better for the kids to just call for a do-over and give them all a year of their youth back. Redo the school year starting in the fall, up the age groups and sports by year, push back college by year. The world stopped. There's no rush to grow up. And that tweet from Greg Gilhooly had us saying, well, hey, is that worth having a conversation? Hockey Winnipeg just over the weekend canceled the season officially. Other leagues have done the same. We know exams have been canceled for grade 12 students. And so does it make sense to say, instead of trying to force this year through in the best way possible, just to reset the entire thing? Yeah, I know that so many kids are going to be missing out. We've discussed this, Brett, this notion of kids that are maybe uh, performing at a higher level with regard to their athletics. These are years when maybe they might be getting noticed either for junior teams, for national teams. Also, with regard to university and college and the whole idea that you might be getting a scholarship or eligible for a scholarship. So all those recruitment uh Actions are really on pause or they're being modified. So I, I like Greg's suggestion here. And I also think that it applies uh, maybe even academically. It could be something that, that could be looked at uh, not only with university, but maybe for junior high and high school as well. I mean, I know it's going to feel like potentially a wasted year for a lot of folks uh, in the first place. Maybe uh, we formalize something here. Uh, it's, it's sort of an extreme suggestion, but maybe one to consider. So we'll have that conversation at 7.37. At 8.37, we've got our weekly visit with Bob Irving. And a reminder that at 7.15, we shall name our next qualifier for warm-up with on-time furnace because next Monday we're giving away a gas furnace that will be installed by on-time furnace. So 7.15, next qualifier, 7.37, we'll give you the next code word. And by the way, uh, Jeff Fortier in Master Control... Um, how are you doing in there? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah? A little sore. Do you want to quickly tell us what happened over the weekend? Well, I broke my wrist a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I was uh, taking a little walk uh, through the park, and uh, there's a river right by the park, and I was trying to go down by the river, take a nice walk beside the river, and uh, slipped on the riverbank and bashed my wrist up. Oh, man. That stinks. Well, I'm... I'm <laughs> I, can I ask you to fade up some music? <laughs> like, can I, I get a photo too of this? I, are you wearing anything? Yeah, oh, he's, he's got a funky brace on his oh. right wrist. I think Jeff Forte's new nickname is going to be Lefty. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Let's do everything with his left hand now. Well, I'm sorry that happened to you, buddy. I almost took a took a dive on Saturday when I was walking down to the river off of the Hugo Docks. So I get it, man. It's easy to lose your footing, and uh, but you. you you got a cool, pretty cool looking brace out there. You look sort of like a, like a tough guy now. So I, I would not say that. <laughs> <laughs> and his beard is ferocious, Loren. You got to see Fortier's beard. He is starting to look like Give a me Viking. Give a picture for everything. I need photos. <laughs> okay. Sorry you're in pain, but I, if we could laugh at the pain, I think that's the way to get out of this, Forty. We're going to be putting a big focus on mental health as part of a global news health series, specifically mental health during COVID-19. Yeah, we'll cover a bunch of different topics here, Brett, including why we are hardwired to be with other people at nearly any cost, the human biology behind it. And Brett, you and I were fortunate enough to uh, develop a, a strong relationship with Carolyn Clausen from Conexus uh, Counseling on our program when we did the afternoon shows. And of course, Hal has continued his relationship uh, with Carolyn on air. And that's exactly what she says, right? We're hardwired for connection. Yep. 
And so it's a critical thing that we keep in mind as to, to why we need it, why we want it, why we crave it so badly. Mental illness and addiction during COVID. There have been lots of assertions that these uh, numbers have gone up, both with regard to people struggling with mental illness and their ability or perhaps inability to get help and to rely on the people and some of the things that they do to cope with their mental illness and addictions during these COVID times. Exercise and stress, how does one affect the other and much more, Lorraine? But today we want to take a look at how COVID-19 has really forced us all to become more sensitive about our physical health. And so with that sensitivity, we're washing our hands more than we used to. We might be carrying hand sanitizer. We're all all wearing masks each and every day. But of course, we know the best weapon against this is social distancing. And while that might help prevent the spread of COVID-19, it's unfortunately hurting our mental health. Right now, we want to hear more from John Jang from CKNW in Vancouver. COVID-19 has changed everything, and social distancing is beginning to take a toll on our mental health. We do know that, you know, from research and everything that's been said is is that isolation is one of the worst things you can do for mental health. Corey Hirsch is a former NHL goaltender who battled depression during his career. Today, he works as a public speaker and an advocate for mental health and wellness to educate others on what we can do to help. And the most important thing we can do right now is to check in with the ones we love. Send a text, send a, you know, do a, a, a Zoom, a FaceTime, house party, whatever app you want you use to, to reach out and connect with people. It makes such a massive difference. Um, and especially if you know someone that's elderly that's living alone, um, that is a, a really, really tough time for, for these people. Um, you know, maybe they can't get out and even get groceries. Maybe they, it's, or, or, you know, they're just sitting there isolated all day by themselves. And, and, um, we know that that is a massive recipe for depression. So let's help these people. With most of us still working from home and unable to see our colleagues and friends in person, it can be difficult to gauge whether or not somebody we know is actually struggling. But Hirsch explains there are early warning signs that can be easy to find as long as you know what to look for. I've got some friends that I know on social media that are typically posting. They post once every couple of days or they post every day. All of a sudden they go silent for three or four days. Um, that's a sign to me something's up. So I had a friend the other week that, that was exactly it. I called him and I'm like, hey buddy, you okay? And he's like, no, I've been struggling the last couple of days. Um, you know, if you, if you don't know that's what to look for, um, you would never know. But because I'm, I'm through and I'm in the middle of it, Someone that's normally very active on social media all of a sudden disappears, something's up. Um, That's one of them. Someone that's always normally very active uh, texting or calling uh, disappears and withdraws. Something's up. You need to reach out and talk to them. Uh, For kids, your kids, if they're sleeping all day long, um, you know, something's probably going on. A kid that's normally up at nine, ready to roll, and they all of a sudden they're starting to sleep till noon, staying up all night. Something's up. It's time to have a conversation. One thing Hirsch wants to make abundantly clear is that we as a society need to destigmatize the topic of suicide. As he explains, our fear in acknowledging its possibility only alienates the person who is struggling even more. If you think somebody is, you know, thinking of harming themselves, there is no shame in asking. We've come to be a society that's scared to ask someone if they're having suicidal thoughts or that you know, we might be the ones to push them over the edge if they're considering, you know, harming themselves. And it is exactly the opposite. And you know what? If someone is considering harming themselves, there's no shame in asking. When I'm talking to somebody and I know they're struggling, that's one of my first questions. Hey, have you, are you thinking of harming yourself? And I, and I, and I desensitize it by just saying, hey, if you are, you know what? That's cool. No worries about it. I've been there. Um, that's not the answer. Let's get you the proper help. And the reason I ask them is because then I know what direction I need to go in with this person, right? That if they are thinking that way, okay, well, we've got a serious problem on our hand. But when we push those thoughts that people have even further down and bury them even further under the carpet, we make people feel even more ashamed for having those thoughts. And a reminder that no matter what, there is hope and there is help. I am living proof that it gets better. You know what? Life is not easy. Um, I still have to work on my stuff. But if you're out there struggling right now, just look at me. I was you. Uh, I am you. I was there. 
and it gets so much better once you go and get the help. To get in touch with Corey Hirsch, visit his website at coreyhirsch.com. And if you need help today, call the 24-7 Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-833-456-4566. For the 2021 Health Series, I'm John Jang. Greg found a, twi- a tweet over the weekend from someone named Jennifer Wartman. And uh, the tweet reads quite simply, Today I discovered my <laughs> husband has me in his phone as Jennifer Wartman. <laughs> well, of course, lots of people, lots of responses saying like, you know, that that's not very romantic to that's your name, isn't it? <laughs> and everything in between. So lots of people uh, sharing their thoughts and their uh, naming strategies on the Twitter post there. But it's been uh, it's been liked over 265,000 times. So it's resonating with people for sure. So we want to go around the horn here and talk about the way we have people labeled in our phones and how would they be, how would they react? Like Loren, for example, how do you have me labeled? I think you're, I was just looking. I think you're still in his Mick, McCary. <laughs> yep, you are. Basically, you go into my phone sometimes with typos, and then the typo sticks, and then it becomes a nickname. So I have had, I have a lot of people who, in my phone, I just typed it in wrong, and I, for years, didn't know if you actually were McGarry or McGarry because of my own error. And then I sometimes, like, you know, if I have an impression on someone, I'll put it in. As to what my first thoughts were about them. And then you have to go, did I like them? No, I put them in as the B word. Okay. <laughs> and then for my spouse, I actually have, he has two phones. And it's funny because one is just his name and the other is husband. And whenever the husband one calls, they're like, dun, dun, dun. It just seems more serious. Like, uh-oh. <laughs> Husband's calling. Like, it's not just casual. It's, it's just time to take things seriously. So, yes, I love how I enter things into the phone. It's confusing. I often can't find the name, but it's enjoyable when it rings. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. What does he think about the fact that you have him labeled as husband? I don't think he cares. <laughs> Honestly, I can ask, but I don't, think it's, I don't think it's once bothered him. What about you, Cameron Poitras? Uh, well, I was looking through my phone, and I have somebody in there named The Dude. I don't know who that is. <laughs> Um, I'm pretty sure it's not Jeffrey Lebowski, though. Uh, but I, I, I look at it, I says, who's this? Who is? Who did I label as the dude? I have no idea. And I have someone else just named Loser. I, I, I don't know who that is either. Uh, obviously, someone I don't think highly of, but I have no idea who that is. So those are two people that I... Call it on the air. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Well, I'll sit here with my fingers I, crossed. My phone doesn't ring. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about you, Jeff Braun? What do you got? Uh, mine's boring. Mine's not nearly as fun as your guys'. It's the worst I could find is I, I. And at first, I was like, "Oh, is that his last name?" And it just says Josh Plummer. But it's a plumber named Josh that was here recently. <laughs> it did some work for me. It's like Wendy Wheelchair in that episode of Curb. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's right. And then. <laughs> Uh, something slightly uh, macabre is one that says grandma. My my grandma's been dead for over seven years now, so I think I just can't bring myself to delete Aww. that one. But that's mm-hmm. that was, I scrolled by that. I was like, ooh, I haven't called that number in a while. Well, thanks for the bringing us down there. Yeah, Ron. sorry, man. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know for well for me, I have my dad labeled as Smash Gordon in my phone, so I'm combining Brett Smash and. Ah! Uh, other than that, I don't really have any weird contact names. I don't know if he actually knows that I have him labeled as Smash Gordon in the phone. So, Dad, if you're listening, uh, when you call me, it says Smash Gordon. Um, I did also, once upon a time, I had actually custom ringtones for my primary contacts. So years back, this was the ringtone for uh, my then-girlfriend. That girl is so Constant reminder. I'm not sure if she got a kick out of it. It was meant to be funny, you know, tongue in cheek, and it was just I love that song. But uh, yeah, so I got a kick out of that every time she called. And then when I got a call from work, this is what I would hear. <laughs> so anytime Vic Grant, our then news director, would call, that's the music. <laughs> <laughs> the evil empire. <laughs> so I'd look, I'd hear it. I wouldn't even have to pick up the phone. I would just hear it and go, 
Is this a phone call I feel like answering right now? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, those are good. Very good. What about you, Jeff Forte? Oh, man, I'm actually just looking through my contacts. I have contacts I haven't phoned in over 10 years. <laughs> and I don't know why. But uh, I guess the, the weirdest one, because, you know, I'm very boring when it comes to my contacts. But uh, for my parents, I have them saved as Mom Forte and Dad Forte. <laughs> <laughs> Versus <laughs> which like, other mom and dad? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I don't have any other parents, of course. But I, I think it's because when I put them in, it says first name and then last name. So I felt obligated to put down their last name. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I, I have my mom is just as mom, M-U-M, like the way that most people will say it in, in Canada. And then I, I have my spelling. and then I have my dad as as Daddio, which is just kind of the, the word I call him. So Daddio. Yeah, Daddy-o. I call my dad Daddio. Go Daddio. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mackling? Well, I went through my phone and I've got uh, Jared Current. So I guess that's for my buddy in Calgary. That's the number he's currently using. I'm not sure. Uh, exactly when that might expire. And then I've got one for one of my brothers, Daniel, for sure, because he's had about six numbers in the last eight years. And then I have some guy named Joe Eavestroff, another guy by the name of Andrew Hot Tub. I have lots of people with the last name Minidosa in my phone. And then a guy I coach baseball with, uh, kids baseball with, he's just Walmer Baseball. And then some mystery person called Tim Horton's Wendy. <laughs> I have no idea, but I might be calling her today <laughs> to find out who the heck she is. And uh, my dad's just in my phone as uh, Ross. It's not dad. It's not grandpa. Well, it's, not Minidosa Ross either. You know, well, you know, I, I'm a little more familiar with him than that. But he might have been Minidosa Ross or Minidosa dad at one point, I suppose. It's hard because I'm just thinking now I also have a lot of contacts in my phone based on the moment, like what your connection is with them. And so there's been over the years, you know, you make friends with the the kids' friends. And so you put the parent in the phone, you know, you're standing there around the playground. Oh, what's your name, Kay? I put you down as like Kaysen's dad. And then 10 years later, you're like, sir, I really don't know your name. I just have you in as so-and-so's father because that was how you put it in at the time. And it becomes too embarrassing to ask that question later. So... I've just realized I got a lot of names like that, too, where I do not know their actual real name. Is it time to give the kids a do-over, Loren, and hit reset on this entire year? Yeah, and mental health plays into a lot of things for our kids as well when it comes to school and sports and activities. And so that question about the do-over is something our next guest thinks we maybe should consider. Over the past few years, Greg Gilhooley has, of course, graciously spent time on the show with us to share more on his journey as a Graham James survivor. The former Winnipegger is also a lawyer, public speaker, and a father. And it's in that perhaps most important role that his most recent tweet really spoke to many of us. It goes... I think it would be better for the kids to just call for a do-over and give them all a year of their youth back. Redo the school year starting in the fall. Up the age groups in sports by year. Push back college by year. The world stopped. There is no rush to grow up. We say good morning once again to Greg Galuli. Good morning, Greg. How are you this morning? Uh, Good morning. I'm doing very well, thanks. Well, always a pleasure to speak with you. And one other thing on your list of uh, accomplishments and experiences is as a Division I goaltender at Princeton University. So tell us how that experience and what you're going through uh, with your daughter right now is uh, having you ask the questions that we outline. Well, I was in the hockey program at Princeton, and and one of the things I'm I'm thinking of right now are the, the, the the guys and girls who are they've devoted so much to trying to get scholarships or move on or advance their careers or or whatever. And they've been sidelined for the better part of a year, if not an entire year, depending upon what part of the country you're in. And it's taking a toll mentally on these kids. It, it, It just is. And there's no rush to grow up. There's no need for this to have to happen. And there's no need for everything to have been lost this past year. These kids are, are, are going through hell, worried about their futures. And it, it seems to me that the world took a pause. Why can't we just take a step back and, and see the bigger picture here? There's no need to deny these kids anything. I I really like this idea. I think this is great. But uh, what would you – what about kids who would be ready to start kindergarten in the fall? Uh, would they? Would the idea then be they just wait a year to to get started? Well, look, no no great idea is without its problems, and and that, that's clearly an issue that would have to be addressed. But I guess what I'd say is, 
there are going to be costs, and the government is facing massive costs, and, and they're not all easily discernible right now. And the mental health toll that is, is being taken is enormous. And so absolutely, you know, do we need expanded kindergarten? Do we need expanded daycare? Do we defer school or do we add a year at the start? All issues to be dealt with. But again, just because something is difficult doesn't mean it's not the right thing to do. So is this a conversation you've turned and spoken to with your friends about, Greg, uh, in terms of other parents and, and what they're saying to you about how they feel about this? Because when I read it, it prompted a conversation in my own home. And, and I know you're dealing with your daughter being in high school and making some decisions right now. But but does it is it getting the widespread support or are a lot of people like, no, hang on, let's just power through. We can power through this. No, I, anyone I talk to about this thinks it's, it's a good idea because we're... I, I think as a group, people are sensing that everyone's at the breaking point right now, and we're, we're getting final decisions hitting the table. Uh, I understand in, in Winnipeg that the hockey season was just shut down. This is going to happen increasingly across the country, and it's one thing to fear something happening. It's another thing to have to face the reality that it's gone, and people tend not to make the best decisions or act in the best manner when they're fearful of something and when they face the loss of something. And one of the ways to help get us through this, this you know, disastrous pandemic, I think, is to maybe try to give everyone some hope. And a measure such as this would give absolutely everyone hope. Uh, you haven't lost a year. You've, you've got an opportunity for a do-over. And, look, I just turned 57 over the weekend. If there's one thing I would love to do, it's go back to a certain moment in my teen years and get a do-over, and my life would be dramatically different. So I, I think people of a certain age always dream of the possibility of a do-over. Here we have the opportunity to give a do-over. Uh, Greg, you know, I, I think back to my own experience and and uh, a, a lost year that I had in grade nine, just based on uh, a, a certain circumstances in my own life. And I look at my kids at where they are, in particular with athletics, having to take a whole year off of certain things. There are critical years along the way in terms of your development. We know that kids tend to step away from sports these days at, at, at 14 and 15 years old. This is just going to give them one more excuse to do that. Well, it, it is. It's going to interrupt, uh, I'm going to use the word career, but not in the, the professional sense, sports careers, uh, a life with athletics. Think of the, the fundamental concepts that if you're in the early years of high school, uh, a subject like math where everything builds upon what you've learned in the past, We've got kids in high school right now who are just zoning out, staring at screens, uh, dissociating from the educational process. And that's not something that people are going to truly understand uh, for at least a decade. What happened in the learning process here? And now, look, compared to disease and death, you know, losing some sports or having to re-go at some education, these these aren't the, the biggest problems. But as I... When I was in therapy and I said, look, I, I have no right to be sad because so-and-so's got it worse, my therapist pointed out and said, well, they, when people are happy, they don't say you don't have a right to be happy because you're not the richest person on the planet, you know? And, and so the, these aren't the worst problems, but they are fundamental problems that are going to have real costs for us going forward. Our guest is Greg Gilhooley, and we're talking about the idea of giving the kids a do-over, give them a year of their youth back and just redo the school year. And, Greg, I imagine that some people might might react to this, by, this idea by saying, look, we all have to make sacrifices. We're all making sacrifices during this pandemic. It's just part of life. Suck it up. But, it, you know, it could be easy for an adult to say that because as an adult we got to experience all of our school years you know i would imagine i i can you know i got to play basketball in high school i wasn't particularly good at it but i still got to play and i got to take you know learn all the important lessons that come out of participating in sports and i still look back at those memories rather fondly so to imagine that a year of that would have been wiped out or taken away from me uh, i think would be devastating and may, would make just make me super sad. Yeah, and and it, it's the type of argument against the do-over that, that gets me. It's the 
you know, imagine having to have lived through World War II. All we have to do is sit on a couch now. They had it so much harder. We, we went through that suck it up, the, the whole suck it up argument. It's never been one that's appealed to me. It's uh, casted in the, the realm of hazing in, in sports. You know, we went through it, just go through it, suck it up. Well, we learn we should also like to improve upon what we did in the past. And then the suck it up argument has never really, really registered with me. But, you know, absolutely uh, persevere as, as tough and as well as we can. But at the same time, if, if there's an opportunity to do something constructive and positive that would make a, uh, a positive uh, change on the, the future life going forward, I, I think we as a society would benefit. And I don't care if we treat our kids now better than we were treated back then. Yeah, it's kind of the way it's supposed to go in terms of evolution of things, Greg. We learn from what we did and, and what we can do better. And speaking of moving forward and what we need to maybe do better on is even just with college applications, a lot of kids deferred their year to this year thinking, I don't want to go to school in a pandemic because it's online. I'll wait until next year. So now you have a bunch of kind of a course collisions happening where grade 12s will graduate, the kids from last year who didn't necessarily start. There's that to think about too. You've got a mixed cohort happening this year because of the deferrals. You know, who wanted to go away to university in the midst of a pandemic just to sign up for a bunch of online courses? And so there's a, a, a real tangible a tangible problem here. I, I have a daughter who's in grade 12 who's applying to universities she's never seen. Again, that's a massive first-world problem to have in, in the face of uh, global pandemic disease and death, right? But at the same time, it's still a real problem. And, and these kids who are going through that process face that real problem and that potential lost opportunity, given that the system isn't built for two years of university applic- applicants happening at the same time. Well, outside of, uh, of the issue you brought up, Brett, with regard to kindergarten, maybe kids starting those early years, one year later or similar, some sort of problem with the logistics that way i don't see any downside to this except perhaps for those who have handled it better and would in our hypothetical situation here greg are are we giving those who who maybe are ready to to step forward the the ability to do just that (laughs) well i was gonna say one of my favorite lines in caddyshack is this isn't russia it's not russia is it danny um just step four four decades back into the midst of the cold war um no, I, I think we would ideally give everyone the opportunity of the do-over. And if you chose to elect not to take advantage of it, you know, so be it. Go, go, you know, live long and prosper. Uh, but my my hope is is that people will increasingly come to see that the notion of a do-over is a value added to the rest of us, and that the collective mental health level and and wellness it has spillover benefits it's actually in our self-interest to give these kids a, a do-over greg gilhooley joining us live on 680 cjob thank you so much for bringing this idea to us and uh fascinating idea you've given us a lot to ponder thanks for having me and it's always wonderful to be in touch with you guys back in winnipeg when a furnace is the winning prize in the month of february <laughs> you should see the number of text messages we are getting greg it's just uh, we're being overrun by people trying to get in on this contest. So, yeah. Uh, I love Winnipeg and Manitoba so much. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb getting lots of feedback, Loren, on the idea of a do-over at school for the kids. Yeah, at school, at sports, does it make sense to reset the year? Continue on, but then reset in the fall. So you're sort of starting from a place where you're not trying to catch up, but where you need to be. And that's getting a wide range of feedback, of course, from our listeners, as always. This first text comes from a a mom who says, sorry, but both my kids are thriving this year. Smaller class size has meant more attention. Does it suck sport-wise? Absolutely. But most kids are being trained for beer league, not elite programs. My kids are at the ODR every day, and we have made other activities a priority, like skiing or skating on the river. No do over here as far as that parent is concerned but greg the next listener feels kind of the opposite if you see that text yeah do over sounds amazing for my kids my 11 year old has had a a very rough go with this pandemic pandemic rather as resilient as these kids are a quote-unquote do over would be good for their mental health and that doesn't mean it's good for everyone right brett like i mean this isn't uh, 
I don't think Greg's suggesting that it shall be decreed, but that perhaps it should be an <laughs> option for some people. First of all, I just uh, I love the fact that you got decreed uh, into this. Like I, I imagine you unfurling a scroll and saying, "This is a this is by decree." But yeah, because for the kids who are doing great, um, to then be told, "Sorry, you're you're getting the reset too." I don't know that that would be fair. So I kind of wonder if, like, logistically, if this would even be possible. But I do think it's a great idea because if you're in school and you're missing out, like, especially if grade 12 um, was, like, for those who went through grade 12 and and didn't get to have a formal graduation uh, last year, that would be horrible to think about all the stuff that that we may have missed. And that's why I said it might be easy for us to just tell the kids to suck it up. But... We got to experience that stuff. So to have it taken away, I just think would be horrible, Loren. Yeah, and then on the other side of the equation, there's those who are saying, well, don't add any more on. Ken just texted to say, my own children just told me that they'd rather have the school year they just experienced than having to attend regularly. You should have seen their expressions when I just mentioned they should attend school another year. So he was listening in and then <laughs> threw that idea at them, and their answer was a hard no. So obviously, it's really going to depend on where you're coming from, and you might be thriving and survive, or just surviving, right? And and I, you might be at the grade 12 spectrum and thinking I really could use an extra year so I get into the school I wanted to, uh, university I wanted to, and you might be a mom with a kid or dad with a kid entering kindergarten and thinking, no, no, they're really excited. They need to go to school this fall, so don't don't change the whole calendar year. But I think it's something to talk about. That's what we're doing here. Just let's, let's talk about it. Minor hockey league players in this city will not see the remainder of their 2020-21 regular hockey season, including playoffs. That was the decision of Hockey Winnipeg over the weekend, and they're not the only league to cancel the season. So what's next? Ian McCartan is the executive director for Hockey Winnipeg and joins us now. Good morning, Ian. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Well, thank you for making the time for us. Clearly a, a difficult decision for anyone that has kids or works with kids playing hockey at, at any level. I guess the, the first question, why pull the plug now? Yeah, thank you uh, again. And it was difficult. Uh, it was a very difficult decision. But, you know, facing the reality of the situation, um, our board of directors um, who have uh, you know representation from all 10 areas of uh, Hockey Winnipeg, We've been locked out of our arena since October 30th. Um, and even going back to last year, we were locked out uh, midway through our playoffs. So um, we all you know, know the realities of the situation that uh, by the provincial health orders, we're not allowed to, to operate. And our rinks are not allowed to open. Um, and we've got to a point in time where um, we're, we're slowly reopening and we're slowly and cautiously getting back to normal. Uh, but that is uh, that does not include hockey uh, for now, and uh, we're getting to a, a timing in the year where um, a lot of arenas have had to uh, you know pull the plug on their ice or turn off their ice plants. Um, so we've lost a number of rinks already, um, and a lot of the rinks uh, you know that we use uh, for our program um, don't have the capability to to go you know past the middle of the month of March. So um, with the sheer number of teams and players and uh, and things that we would have to do for our scheduled leagues. Um, the feasibility just wasn't there uh, anymore to, uh, to to operate that. We're speaking to Ian McCartan, who's the executive director of Hockey Winnipeg, about the decision to cancel the season. And again, Ian, we mentioned we know there are other leagues throughout the province that decided the same thing. And just in the last half hour, we had a conversation about a do-over. Are there conversations taking place within sporting, sports programs like yours that might say, maybe we should let the kids reset in the fall. And if they started as novice last year, then we'll start again as novice this year and rethink the entire thing just to give them that year back. Is that feasible? Is that even a conversation that's taking place? Uh, you know what? It, it, it could be possible. Potentially there are a lot of different factors that would go into that. Um, you know, in, in terms of a development, uh, you know, place uh, for those kids, um, I, you know, I, I really feel badly for those um, that were in their final year of minor hockey, uh, that it was so disjointed and interrupted, and uh, and a lot of people didn't even get to play any you know regular season games. Um, and I feel for a lot of those kids who were just starting their first year of hockey, um, you know, and, and how rough it, and bumpy it was. In terms of a, of a do over, over, there would be kind of a number of other things we would have to look at in terms of what um, you know 
junior hockey is doing for eligibility because all of our players feed into that system. Um, so, you know, if they're maintaining eligibility in the same way, then, uh, you know, we would have to uh, have to probably toe the line. Um, but, uh, you know, it, anything is on the table. We're just looking forward to and, and hopefully getting to a place where we can, we can start successfully and uh, without interruptions next year. What happens with refunds? Will those be given? Yeah, you know what? That's, this is a, another kind of, uh, you know, difficult process, a tricky one. But, you know, something that we mentioned in our statement over the weekend, Hockey Winnipeg, um, we are doing everything that we can, you know, including eating into, you know, some of our reserve funds that we use, uh, you know, specifically for development and, and other initiatives to make our regions, uh, you know, a, a full refund. Uh, or, as, or as close to as we can, because obviously we've got some fees that went out to Hockey Canada for insurance and Hockey Manitoba for membership. Um, but our associations did incur, you know, some costs, especially with the tryout and team formation process. And, you know, the, the door isn't closed on hockey activities completely this year. Um, while we aren't going to be scheduling our, our leagues and playoffs, we are hoping um, that our associations can run some local programming, some development, uh, some practices, some three-on-three, maybe even some exhibition games um, if they can, um, and you know, obviously that that will cost. So um, you know, over the next couple of months, we'll see what our associations are able to do, um, and then they'll go out and uh, and compensate and, and refund the families uh, as fairly as possible. Ian McCartan is the executive director for Hockey Winnipeg, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Ian, thank you very much for the time. No problem. Good morning, and uh, have a great day. There was no NFL this weekend, but the hype does begin for Super Bowl 55 in Tampa this coming Sunday. And then on the ice tonight, the Winnipeg Jets begin a four-game set with the Calgary Flames with back-to-back games tonight and tomorrow right here in Winnipeg. Pre-game, of course, right here on 680 CGOB starts at 5 o'clock, puck drop just after 7. And the CFL starts at the clock uh, towards free agency on February 11th. And today is roster bonus day, which seems to have forced movement at the quarterback position in a couple of CFL East markets and maybe elsewhere. Joining us as he does Monday mornings is the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. We say hello to Bob Irving. Hello, Bob. Good morning, you guys. Did you know what a sawbuck was, Bob? <laughs> I did. I, I haven't heard that term for a while, but I, I do know what it is, yes. Okay, very good. Because we had some people saying it was $5, and and, and, and most people said it was 10 Anyway, uh, speaking of money, lots of saw bucks uh, at stake for former Blue Bomber quarterback Matt Nichols, who started the day yesterday as a Toronto Argonaut, but then got the news he was being released by the Argos. Ended the day with a team coached by his longtime offensive coordinator here in Winnipeg, Paul Lapolis in Ottawa. So what happened there? Well, this is a unique development that has occurred here in the last few days in the CFL, and basically the Toronto Argonauts have traded Matt Nichols to Ottawa for Nick Arbuckle, who is going to be the quarterback of the Ottawa Red Blacks. Go back a year, Nichols signed as a free agent with the Argos after the Bombers let him go. They decided to go with Zach Kolaris, and Arbuckle, who was a former Calgary Stampeder, was traded by the Stamps to Ottawa. So Arbuckle was going to be the Ottawa Red Blacks quarterback. He bought a house in Ottawa. Uh, the team has been promoting him as their quarterback of the future, a young, talented guy and all the rest of it. And Matt Nichols was quite invested in helping the Argos, you know, get back on their feet. Uh, they were selling him as their sort of star player. Now, the problem occurred when both Arbuckle and Nichols refused to renegotiate their contracts in a way that the Argos and the Red Blacks were comfortable with. So the Argos told Nichols, well, if you don't come down from what we signed you for, we're going to cut you, and they did. Uh, My understanding is they cut him a few days ago and told him he could go ahead and negotiate with whoever he wanted, and Arbuckle couldn't reach an agreement with the Ottawa Red Blacks on renegotiating his contract, so they cut him. Nichols then signed with Ottawa, as a free agent, Paul Lapolis, of course, the coach of the Red Blacks, familiar with Nichols, and they gave him a $200,000 signing bonus, which he'll get today. And Arbuckle then signed with Toronto, which is really the only team that wanted a quarterback. So you've got Arbuckle back with Ryan Dinwiddie, who's the head coach of the Argonauts and was his offensive coordinator when Arbuckle was with the Calgary Stampeders. Have you followed all that? Anyway, it's Matt Nichols now quarterbacking Ottawa and Arbuckle quarterbacking Toronto when it looked like it'd be the other way around and it all comes down to money renegotiating and signing bonuses it all comes down to the saw box I followed the whole thing Bob thank you um, 
let's turn to the ice now. The Jets start a four-game series with Calgary tonight. The Looking at practice yesterday, it looked like we could see some changes to the top line. Uh, two lines, really, with Shifley and Wheeler taking some heat for their defensive play. They may not play together. The Jets laid a bit of an egg on Saturday night, Bob. They did. They lost the game, and there was panic in the streets. And this is, uh, to me, you know, something that we see all the time. Uh, one loss or even two in a row, and people just uh, are beside themselves. What is going on? Well, you're going to see this again, folks. The Jets are going to lose another game this year. They might even lose a bunch of them before the season's over because they're going to play 56 of them. But they didn't look very good against Vancouver on Saturday night. And so Paul Maurice, the head coach, has decided to shake up the lines a little bit. And again, this is not unusual or surprising, although when you separate Shifley and Wheeler, that's a, it's a story for sure. So we'll see how long it lasts. So they play Calgary now four times in a row. This is so unusual. You see it in the playoffs where two teams play one another game after game after game. But in the regular season, of course, it's in a unique year with COVID, and this is the way it's been structured. This is very, very unusual to play the same team four times in a row. And in this case, it's a you know a division rival and a team that uh, there's lots of bad blood between the Jets and the Calgary Flames. So it's going to be intriguing to see how this uh, plays out starting tonight at Bell MTS Place. And it'll also be interesting to see how long these changes on the, the lines last because you know, by the second or third period, we could see Wheeler back with Shifley, right? Now, from the ice back to the gridiron, Super Bowl hype is, of course, going to be different this year, like everything this year. But come Sunday night, none of that's going to matter. What's your feeling about who will win the game? Well, you know, Kansas City has probably the better team, and they'll be favored. They are favored. There's no doubt about that, Brett. Uh, Tampa Bay is the great story in that they're playing the Super Bowl in their home stadium, and this has never happened before. And, of course, Tom Brady is the guy who will get much of the attention, as will Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback of Kansas City, the 25-year-old against the 43-year-old. And the hype is already building, and this week it'll just reach a crescendo that will be – it will be hard to imagine, really, when the week comes to an end. Uh, I like Kansas City to win, but uh, I didn't think that Tampa Bay was going to win their last two playoff games, and they did, and a lot of people felt the same way. So I'm not uh, counting them out by any stretch of imagination. It's certainly going to be a game that has as much interest, I think, as any Super Bowl has in recent years, largely because of the quarterback matchup and the fact that Tom Brady at 43 is trying to win a seventh Super Bowl. So, yeah, we'll... Uh, We'll start counting it down today. The teams will arrive. Well, Tampa Bay doesn't have to go anywhere, but Kansas City will arrive in Tampa Bay today or tomorrow and then let the hype begin until they kick it off around 5.30 our time on Sunday. So we began the segment discussing quarterbacks in the CFL. We sort of wrap things up with NFL quarterbacks, but just really quick here before we let you go, Bob, back to the CFL. The league has to be watching the rollout of the vaccine closely for COVID-19. Any sense that they're getting nervous about how the lack of vaccinations could affect the start date to the 2021 season? Are you hearing anything? Oh, yeah, they're very nervous about that. Uh, you know, the CFL's in a holding pattern, a kind of sit-and-wait mode, Greg, where... The rollout of the vaccine and how COVID uh, moves along, will, you know, will the numbers get lower and lower as we move into the spring to the point where, along with the vaccine rollout, they can realistically consider having fans in the stands at their games. And that's why the league has not said anything definitive about, yes, we are going to go along with the schedule we released back in December. They just don't know. They just don't know yet what they're going to be able to do and probably won't for six or eight weeks. I know they're hoping to play 18 games. They might play 16. They might play 14 or even 12. They want to start in June, but they might have to wait till July or August. Everything's on the table, and it's all controlled by COVID, how it uh, carries along, and how the vaccine rolls out. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb this morning on 680 CJOB and on radio stations across our Chorus network. We launched a global news health series on mental health during COVID-19. Now, this morning's feature took a look at how physical distancing, while it is super important to helping to prevent 
the spread of the virus, it is also hurting our mental health. And we heard from John Jang from CKNW in Vancouver, but we just wanted to have a quick chat about mental health. You know, we, we sort of tied in a previous topic about the idea of giving the kids a do-over because, uh, you know, they've essentially lost a year of their youth. But in terms of overall mental health, uh, some people have been, I think, doing great, obviously, in, during this time, and others have not been doing so great. And I would, I was pondering, you know, one of the question of the day ideas I was going to throw at you guys before we went with the do-over was just the general mental health question. How has your mental health been overall during the pandemic? You know, I'm, I'm doing okay. It's taken a bit of a hit or, or I'm in rough shape. And I think I probably would put myself in the middle category. The, it's taken a bit of a hit. For sure. Or, or the roller coaster, maybe, Brett, too, right? Because it's been like this up and down feeling, right? So you feel, felt like if you were impacted last spring, maybe you lost your job or your business or you just were struggling with the socialization. We, we at least had summer and that helped get us through, I think, many of us just in terms of feeling better or getting outside and then fall hit and you're up. I, I was optimistic and then I was less optimistic. And then, of course, there was Christmas that was lousy. So I feel like it's really like much like my weight, this pandemic. It's fluctuated like up and down with how I might feel every day. Right. It's really hard to say every day has been happiness and might it might really be changing for people. And it might be seriously changing for people, Greg, which is why we're having this important conversation. No question. And uh, I'm missing a lot of my people, the people in my circle that I'm used to getting to see on a regular basis. So that part has been difficult. But I've confessed this multiple times, just this notion of being less busy and less running around. That, of course, comes at a cost to my kids who aren't doing the sports that they're normally doing, the music lessons, et cetera, that were normally taking us out of the house and running around all over the place uh, afternoons and evenings and on weekends. So I miss that, but I also am appreciating the extra time from not having to go out to, to different fundraisers and even going to Jets games. As much as I love going downtown to Bell MTS Place to a Jets game, I'm sort of appreciating the extra time that I have in my schedule for myself and for things around the house and just, you know, one-on-one -on -one time with the kids as well is, has been a, a real benefit. And then I, I speak to a lot of my other friends because I've done this too. I've gotten a little bit more active over the last several months. And we went for a, a walk in Birds Hill Park yesterday with a, a friends of ours and that we haven't seen for months and months who we normally see once every week or once every other week at the very least. And my buddy Jeff, he's walking at Birds Hill Park every single day. He gets away from his desk and he goes out and he goes for a hike at Birds Hill Park. He's lucky enough to live close enough to the park that it's not a big deal for him. And he says it just changed his whole perspective on a variety of things. He's reconnecting with his body, his inner spirit. And I think there are a lot of people doing that, Brett. They're, they're connecting differently with themselves. And it's not for everyone. I understand that. But on the flip side, there are people who are taking advantage of this time to, uh, to make themselves healthier. And I, I, I think that's great. You know, so many people are getting tons of exercise. Or they're at least getting out and enjoying the fresh air, like uh, Christian O'Mel posted on the weekend uh, thing on in his Instagram story. The first slide it was a picture of his skates, and he said, so how busy is the Forks today? And then the following picture was uh, uh, just a picture of dozens of people, and he said, answer, yes. <laughs> so I, it was busy at the Forks. So anytime I go out on the River Trail for a walk, uh, I just see hundreds of people and so i've been getting a lot of that kind of exercise as well unfortunately the problem for me is i've been eating a lot more and uh, like for example I, I went to safeway the other day and i got this uh, flyer in one of the bags it's from something called spenced brothers pizza mm. And it says, we make you bake. And uh, so it's like a buy one, get one free deal that happens this week. So uh, I, that sounds like something I need to try. Although I might lose my friendship with Jeff Braun because this group is apparently from Winkler and Jeff's from Altona. Uh, so he, he doesn't like them. My point is I am getting out more. I'm getting more fresh air. But I'm also eating a little too much, and now I need to have my own little circuit breaker on that because if I allow my weight to get out of control, that will hammer uh -huh. my mental wellness because I'll point. be upset with myself. 
I think that's I think that's a really great point because that is uh, you know like your appearance is sometimes what you work on or your your in inside matches your outside you want your outside to match your inside and there's always that battle going on and so they often don't complement one another or you want them to and so I, I think that's an excellent point Brett about how it, one one could bring you down. Two people who went ice fishing were found dead on Saturday morning. Yeah, Manitoba RCMP were called shortly after 7 a.m. Saturday to report two unresponsive people in an ice fishing tent on the ice in the arm of St. Clement's. A man and woman, both 52 from Winnipeg, were then transported to hospital but were pronounced dead. They say foul play is not suspected, but police aren't sure about the cause of death yet because they need it to be confirmed by autopsies. But one of the things they're considering as a possibility in their deaths is carbon monoxide poisoning, Greg. Yeah, obviously a tough few days for members of the ice fishing community in Manitoba. The possible cause of this tragedy has us reaching out to director of the Winnipeg Ice Fishing Show, Eric Labalpa. Good morning, Eric. Uh, good morning, team. How's it going? Well, we're doing okay. First of all, condolences to the ice fishing community. This news on Saturday must be hitting hard, my friend. How are you doing? Uh, we appreciate that. Yeah, it's uh, that was tough news to take. Most people fish on the weekends. We're all weekend warriors in this sport. And, uh, yeah, Saturday by noon, word really got out. And, uh, yeah, it makes, makes, you, makes you stop and think. We were fishing at a tournament on the weekend on Lake Winnipeg, and uh, I was crying about uh, dropping a big fish and, this and that, that could have helped us. And all of a sudden you read that news and it puts everything into perspective, you know, just who cares about a drop fish when people are passing away doing the sport we love. Yeah, it makes you think, and it makes you think about, you know, what we we can potentially try to do to always be safer, Eric. And again, as we mentioned, we don't know the exact cause of death here, but again, we we did say carbon monoxide could be possible. Let's talk a bit about that when it comes to just safety with portable heaters and and really reinforcing that message because we talk about thin ice all year long, right? From start to finish, we, we still say we have to be mindful of that. What about the heaters that are used in these shacks? Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, like thin ice and people are always afraid about falling in, but uh, definitely can be dangerous in other ways. Earlier this winter, a, a couple, a younger couple passed away in Ontario from the exact same thing, winter camping, uh, carbon monoxide, like we said, it's suspected, but uh, that's what they passed away from. It was confirmed. And uh, it's a little further away, so it didn't hit us close to home. And now this is like in our backyard on the on the Red River, and uh, it's hit everyone pretty hard here. So it, it's uh, these heaters, and they're the instinct when you have a shelter, everyone gets a nice shelter, then you, you want to heat it up. And the instinct is to, to bank up everything and, and really seal it up nice and tight so you're going to be warm. But uh, have, having anything that's uh, combusting fuel inside there is, uh, is going to use up oxygen, so you have to vent it. And a lot of these shelters do have vents. Uh, up top they got to be open and that's not enough a lot of the time especially with a stronger heater uh from what i understand they were using a sunflower heater which is really strong like we're talking past that is 20 btu so it, it's using up a lot of oxygen so you have to actually unzip some of the doors or people just take a panel off the windows but uh unfortunately not everyone knows about that they might have vented their tent and it still wasn't enough kind of thing because what happens with this is you just slowly start to get tired and pass out. I've been in I've been in tents myself where all of a sudden they are you feeling groggy or are you feeling sleepy? Yeah, and then you stand up and there's no oxygen up there and you, you can't breathe when you stand up. So oh, open open up and that's just during the day, like not winter camping. So winter camping, of course, you like you're you're gonna you're gonna go to bed at some point and it's it's so dangerous if it's not vented and that heater is going full blast. Uh, you might not wake up one of these times, right? So please uh, make sure everyone knows that to vent vent your, your shelters if you're if you're using heater anytime even if you're out there just for a few hours like I could leave my son in there I go fish outside and I leave my son and he's watching on the tablet and stuff like that and I make sure the, the door is open even though he wants it to be closed I, I leave it open because uh, you want fresh oxygen going in and out of these shelters they're so good nowadays they're so uh, thick and, and insulated and stuff that it, it, it is it's, it's a house on on the ice so well we got it, a text it's so, sad. it's so sad and we got a text message uh, from somebody earlier who says that the man who died on the ice was a co-worker and uh, this person says that uh, he was an avid sportsman and fisherman and uh, added the comment that even veterans make mistakes uh, so when it comes to you know are there other things which should be front of mind whether you are a newcomer to this activity or somebody who is a savvy expert like yourself oh yeah it could happen and like i said i've, I've had it happen to myself kind of thing so it, it's it doesn't matter what your level of experience. There's a lot of new people to the sport, and of course, a lot of veterans in the sport. But it could happen at any time, and 
and it's not it's not just uh, like with heaters and stuff. It's all kinds of stuff. And we've had we've had incidents of close calls with snowmobiles, snowmobiles and anglers. Like some people are setting up shop, like as, as in fishing on established trails kind of thing. So you don't want to do that. Or, or pickup trucks and, and vehicles are going on the ice everywhere. So if there's an established sort of road ice road network, you don't want to be fishing on those too. Because for all intents and purposes, a lot of the places we're fishing in, in parking lots. Like actually like middle of superstore parking lot and then plop down and you want to start ice fishing as your kids running around. You do have to be careful because there's cars and snowmobiles and, and, and quads flying all over the place. So everyone has to just because just you think you're out on the ice and you're out in the wilderness kind of thing. Unless you're some super back lake all by yourself. Uh, there's always other people out there and you have to be very careful because someone like last winter, a a young angler passed away after getting hit by a snowmobile, like right in the middle of their tents kind of thing. So uh, we don't want to hear anything like this happen, uh, especially close to home like this. So everyone, please uh, be safe out there. Eric Labopa is the director of the Winnipeg Ice Fishing Show. And before we leave you, Eric, we don't want to be out on, on a downer because this has become... Uh, such a popular activity in Manitoba and this winter maybe as much as ever. So maybe just uh, let's end on a, on an up note and, and the fact that people are discovering this incredible activity. Oh, definitely. So like, uh, just don't, I don't want to discourage them from taking up the sport. It's great that we saw so many families out on the ice. I was, like I said, I was on Lake Winnipeg and we traveled from East all the way to West and uh, there are families all over the place. I even saw a Honda Civic out there. So if a Honda Civic can make it out on the ice, <laughs> anyone, anyone can get out there. So, yeah, no, pick up the sport, but just uh, just be educated on it. You know, if you don't know, ask questions. And like I said, if you're a veteran, don't take it all for granted. You know, anything can happen at any time. So uh, uh, please uh, practice safety out on the ice first. Eric Lobopa, director of the Winnipeg Ice Fishing Show, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Eric, thank you very much for the time, sir. Thanks, guys. Talk again. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.